Take your Bibles out and turn to the book of Colossians chapter 1. We're going to talk about something that I think is pivotal for us today. We're going to talk a little bit about why it's pivotal. We're going to spend the next four weeks talking about it. So I just want to ask you a simple question that's going to kind of lead us into the message. What immediately comes into your mind... Now, immediately, and I know you're going to be a little jaded because we're in church, and so that's going to influence a little bit, okay? But what immediately comes into your mind when you read or hear the word grace? Anybody? What immediately comes into your mind? You're already, spending, you're already overanalyzing it. What's, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? Food. Who said that? Yes. Yes. Yes, amen. Okay, what else? What? Your daughter's middle name. Okay. That's undeserved. Thanks for bringing us spiritual. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) Appreciate that, buddy. Can always count on you. What else? Anybody? Jesus is always the answer. I heard somebody over here. No? Okay. Hope gives us hope. Jenny. Because like parents and children giving grace to each other. Okay. Usually that's the parent side giving grace to the Yeah. Most of the time. No, that's good. That's a good one. Thank you. Can I confess to you and tell you my first thought whenever I hear the word grace? Whenever I hear the word grace, and and tis the season, right? It's it's my favorite Christmas movie. All right, Christmas vacation, and they're sitting around, and, and they're asking Aunt Bethany to say grace, and what's Bethany's response? She died 30 years ago, right? No, the blessing. Man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we're in November, and so there, there you have it. Um, bless your hearts. Okay, um, but, but when I think of grace, I thought about showing the clip, but when I think of grace, that's where my mind goes. All right, that's where my mind goes. And so we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about Aunt Bethany. No, I mean Grace. Um, we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about Grace. And here's the deal. As I was researching the Word over the last 36 hours and kind of diving into Grace, um, and I want to talk today just simply what it is, okay? Simply what Grace is. That's where we're going to spend our time. That's where we're going to spend today. And then we're going to talk about um, how to have grace to yourself, towards yourself. The Bible actually talks a lot about that, gracing yourself. We're going to talk about grace towards others and other things. So it's just going to be a good series, I think, for the month of November. One I think we all need, because here's the deal. You know, I think we're learning, we're relearning for some of us, for some of us. And I think this was evident last night at our trunk or treat, right? We're relearning how to be around each other. Okay, you know, we kind of go in isolation. I know some, some of you didn't stop seeing people, but for some of us, we're relearning how to be around each other, and that looks different, right? And we need grace as we're learning that and relearning that. And I think a lot of people throw around this word grace, and you know, have grace towards me, have grace towards that person, have grace towards that team, um, you know, have grace towards this, have grace towards that. But do we really know what grace means? Do we really know what it is that we're throwing out there for that, all right? And so I think it's important. I have a whole uh, marriage counseling, uh, that's probably not a good way to put it, marriage session uh, that, that I do with couples that's, that's titled Regracing Your Marriage, 
right? And so we're going to kind of take that, not, we're not going to marriage school, okay? All right, we're not doing that, but we're going to kind of take that idea, right? And we're going to re-grace each other. And for some time, for some of us, it might be gracing ourselves for the first time. It might be gracing that person for the first time, because I think some of us are going to come to the realization, maybe even today, that we've been around this thing for a long time. We've been in the church for a long time, and we have not really had a proper understanding of grace, And there's a good reason for that. Well, what's the reason? I'm glad you asked. If you were to look in the dictionary, okay, dictionary.com. So I'm talking secular dictionary. I'm talking about, you know, worldly dictionary, right? There are at least 17 different ways that this word can be used as a noun. 17 different ways that this word can be used as a noun. What's a noun? It's good English. Person, place, or thing. You guys are so smart. You guys are so smart. Emily Tibbetts was back there like, I got this. Person, place, or thing, right? Um, good. I'm glad you guys told me because I couldn't remember. Um, no, I'm just kidding. 17 different ways that this, that this word, grace, right, can be used as a noun. And, there are, uh, and then there are a few ways that it can be used as a verb. What's a verb? Emily? Action. There you go. Action. I know some of you over here had it. You beat Emily to it, but that's okay. We'll give it to Emily. All right? Make her feel good. Seven, so then there's at least a few ways that can be used as an action. So, so you 17 plus a few, right? There's at least 20 definitions for this word grace. Which one would we pick to answer the question, what's grace? And if you were to read them, and I'm not, I'm not going to go through all of them, but if you were to read them, Perhaps, and and I know this is the case for me, perhaps we would pick none of them. Because if I wanted to to define what grace means in a biblical and theological context, I wouldn't pick any of those definitions. And to complicate matters even further, if I was to pick up a Bible dictionary, like a Strong's Concordance or something like that, the Schofield or, or something like that, pick up a Bible dictionary, which I have over the last 36 hours, and look up the word grace, I wouldn't be happy with most of those definitions either, given what I know about God's grace. And so herein lies a huge problem of all the words in our language and of all the concepts in the Bible and in our our understanding of faith, I would have no hesitation in saying that grace is by far the most important word for us to understand, for us to embrace, and for us to embody as disciples of Jesus who are committed to His mission. In fact, I would suggest... Now get this, I'll get this. I would suggest that if we drilled down beneath every heresy ever, ever preached, every theological error ever found, and every church ministry which ever failed over the last 2,000 years, we would find the root cause to be a flawed or an adequate understanding of this one word. Grace. Grace. Because millions of people all over the world have struggled with these multiple definitions, these multiple concepts, and they've tried to mine the depths of this simple but powerful word, and they'll testify that it doesn't quite do it justice. Well, Pastor Travis, 2,000 years a lot of smart people before you that have come up with definitions. What gives you the confidence that in the next 25 minutes you're going to blow us away with this word grace? I'm not. 
hate to burst your bubble. I'm not. But I found a definition from a pastor that I think causes us to think in a way that is the most biblical context of this word that, that I could find. And I'm excited to dive into you, to it with you. But if you're taking notes, write this down. The first, the first thing I want us to, to, to uncover when we talk about grace is this. Grace is not a part of the gospel story. And that's the problem we have a hard time. That's the, that's the issue with defining this word. That grace is not a part of the gospel story. Grace is the gospel Rick Warren defines grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Somebody in the 830 service said gift. Somebody said, I think, forgiveness. Um, when, 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 they, when they were asked, you know, how would you define grace or what immediately comes to your mind when you think of grace? Grace is the gospel. The gospel is grace. So listen to me. Grace to our faith. Grace to the believer. Grace to us to the Christian faith is what air is to our atmosphere. Grace is to our faith what air is to the earth's atmosphere. If Christianity was a motor vehicle, grace would be the motor. If we don't have a firm grasp on grace, if grace has not had its effect within us, then guess what? All we have is a facade, a shell, a faith with no power, no motivation, no real ability to fulfill our purpose because a car without a motor is at best an attractive display. And my fear for us is that without the accurate understanding of grace, without, a, without some of an understanding of grace, that's all we are as the church of Jesus Christ, some type of attractive display. It can never achieve what its designer and creator desired and intended it to be. So grace. So over these next four weeks, our goal is simply this. If you're taking notes, write this down. To grow in our understanding of God's grace so that we can grow in our faith and bear fruit. So that we can grow in our faith and bear fruit. To grow in our understanding of God's grace so that we can grow in our faith and bear fruit. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. I want to read through verses 14. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. What's Paul saying there? This is his introduction to the letter. And he says that he's not alone, that Paul and Timothy are writing this letter to the church at Colossae, right? And he greets them, grace and peace from God our Father. Common greeting from Paul there. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, I love that, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epiphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, verse 8, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. What's Paul talking about here? 
A couple things. First of all, he's greeting them. And I love this greeting from Paul and Timothy in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Number one, Paul and Timothy are praying for the church. Isn't that awesome? That's encouraging. And not only that, but he thanks God for them. He, he, he tells them, listen, I thank God for you. That's so important. We're going to talk about that in point two this morning. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. Why? Paul says because of their reputation. Because of what he hears about the church of Colossae. Right? Because of what he hears, that he thanks God because of their reputation, that they're bearing fruit, that they're growing in the knowledge of grace in truth. In truth. That's important. That's important. Verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. There it is again, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge. Now just take this in, church. As you hear this, as you read this this morning, be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Somebody say amen. Man, I don't know about you guys, But I just want to take verses 9 through 14 and pray that over us. Don't you? In fact, let's just take a minute and do that. Is that all right? Let's just take a minute and do that. Didn't do this in the first service, but that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit can't change something up in the second service, right? Somebody? Is it all right if we have church, somebody? Okay, we good? All right, cool. Somebody ordered lunch. All right, verse 9. Let's pray. Dear God, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking, here it is, God, that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we may walk in a manner worthy of you, pleasing to you, bearing fruit in our lives in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you. May we be strengthened this morning with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, Father. Giving thanks to you who's qualified us and bought a share in the inheritance of the saints in eternity. God, you delivered us from the domain of darkness and you've transferred us to your kingdom of your beloved Son in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Now speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So our starting point today, what is grace? What is grace? So I have a definition, and in fact, in this definition, all right, we find our, our, our three points that we're going to talk about for the rest of our time together. 
Sound good? I'm going to write the definition down. We, we've been so used to being outside for 10 weeks and not having screens that I didn't send Jeff message notes, and so the whiteboard's going to have to do. All right, I completely forgot. Oh, yeah, we have screens and multimedia, and we should, we should give the people something so they don't fall asleep. So this is so you don't fall asleep, okay? So grace is, let's write that down. I'm a lefty, so I apologize. Grace is, okay, our, wait a second. Let me make sure I get this right. Let me get this right. Okay, no, no, no. We're not going to start with R. Don't laugh at me, Andy. Okay. Grace is the favorable disposition of God toward sinners. On account, I misspelled that same, I missed that U in the first service too. Account of Jesus. Now see, we're recording this message and some people are going to watch that later and see me point the marker over there and they're not going to know what you said. It's all right. It's all right. So grace is the favorable disposition of God toward sinners on account of Jesus. Okay? Favorable disposition of God toward sinners on account of Jesus. This is our definition of grace. This is what we're working with for the next four weeks, okay? For the next four weeks, this is what I want us to talk about. This is what we're going to use as our launching pad definition, all right, of grace. And so today, I want to spend the rest of our time from Colossians 1 talking about and unpacking the favorable disposition of God, right? That's huge when it comes to grace, why? We're going to talk about it in just a minute. Toward sinners. Now, here's the deal. And I get it. I get it. We could leave this piece out. The favorable disposition of God on account of Jesus. That sounds like a great definition. But it's toward sinners. Why? We're going to get to that. On account of Jesus. On account of Jesus. So, let's start with favorable disposition of God. There's three examples of the favorable disposition of God recorded in the Bible. Number one, creation. Creation. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was good. Favorable disposition of God in creation. He created and it was good. It was good. You know what I find in that? You know what I find in that? If it's created, if you're created being here this morning, it's good. It's good. It's good. Don't look at your, no, that's grace towards yourself. We'll get to that in just a little, a couple weeks, okay? But creation, right? Favorable disposition of God, creation. Number two, Jesus. Jesus. Favorable disposition of God. He sent Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Mark chapter 1, 9, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. 
Three examples of favorable disposition of God. Creation, Jesus, one, the world could be the third one. The church. God's gift of the body of Christ is a piece of the favorable disposition of God. Acts 4.33 And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Philippians 1.2 Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is a favorable disposition of God and the favorable disposition of God is shown in the examples of creation, Jesus, and the church. And here's something we've got to come to grips with. Here's something we've got to come to grips with. I've got to go here. If, if the church, if the church is a picture of the favorable disposition of God, then the people of the church ought to be easier on it. Amen? I mean, we know as the church of Jesus how to drag the church through the mud. Somebody, come on now. And listen, listen, I'll, listen, hold on, hold on, hold on. That doesn't mean we don't wrestle through things. That doesn't mean we don't disagree on things. That doesn't mean that we come in here and everything's bounty soft and we're bouncing on clouds and, and rainbows and unicorns. That's not the point. But what I am saying is that you, I, I, I walk up and I hear, I hear about it. I woke up to people all the time. I have conversations about church all the time. And you would think, that some of the people that have filled the church for years and years and years can't stand her. If the church is the bride of Christ, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. Especially in this region. Now, I'm not coming up here from this. I've been up here almost 10 years, and as much as you don't want to believe it, I claim to be part of you. Okay? I'm married in to the New England fam. All right? So, so hear this in grace. Favorable disposition of God. Hear this in grace. You know what the southern main area is called in the church world, in the church planting world? People down in Tennessee talk about it. People that come up here talk about it. When we try to convince people to come up here and plant churches, we tell them about it. Portland, Maine specifically, and it's even blowing up to be part of the greater Portland area. You know what it's called? The graveyard for pastors. It's real. It's real. It's real. A graveyard for pastors. And on Thursday night at 8.45, I got a call from another pastor who's preaching his last sermon in Maine this, today. Probably right now. And when I talked to him, man, I was like, hey, what's up? What's up? He's like, my family and I have just been beat up here. We're tired. We're leaving ministry. We're gone. They're going, they're, I'm not, uh, they're going to New Hampshire and, and, and they've got a winter rental until May 5th and they're just going to rest and heal and they don't have a clue where they're going after that. We know in the church, and let's own this this morning because I think it's important for us to own it before we can move past it. We know in the church of Jesus how to chew each other up and spit each other out. It's happened. I'm looking across at some of you that have been hurt by church. You're coming here. You're limping in here. You've got some bruises. You've got some wounds that are healing. And I, and I know. I understand it. 
And I've probably bruised and wounded some people by not talking and walking in grace and seeing the church as the favorable disposition of God before. But that has to stop. For us to truly understand and live out grace, we've got to recognize the church as a gift in the favorable disposition of God. Good? Okay? And look, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to punch anybody with that. I'm not saying get the gloves on with that. I'm not, but I'm just saying, and maybe as your shepherd, as a spiritual father here, cut it out. What are they doing, full house? Cut it out. <laughs> if you don't love it, if you can't talk good of it, then we need to have a deeper conversation about your role in it. possibly. Okay? And again, that's not to say that we agree on everything. That's not to say we don't wrestle through things. Okay? But how we do that is essential and important. When we look at the bride of Christ, the church, being an example of the favorable disposition of God, a gift. That's why, man, when I pray, when I think about Sunday mornings, I think what a beautiful thing that we get to do this. That we get to gather. That we get to sing. That we get to sit here with our Bibles open and, and, and man, we can, that we've gotten to for the last 10 weeks be outside loudly talking about Jesus and proclaiming the gospel for all the neighbors in the town of Scarborough to hear. I think Jeff even cranked us up a little bit so we could be louder so that people could hear us singing about Jesus and praising his name and talking about him. We get to do this. We get to be a part of this. The favorable disposition of God. That's the first part of grace. Now it implies three things. And these three things are, are hugely important before we move on to, to the toward sinners, which I know you guys can't wait for. Okay. So, so the favorable disposition of God, creation, right? Let's, let's review creation, Jesus, right? He's important. And, and, and the church, okay? It implies three things. The first thing it implies is this, peace from God. Peace from God. It implies peace from God. Philippians 1, 2, I read it before, I'm going to read it to you again. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father. That's important because we're going to see something in just a few minutes that's going to be really exciting. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, listen. Peace is harmony with God. Peace equals harmony with God. Well-being with God. Prosperity with God. Not prosperity gospel. Prosperity with God. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Jesus Christ. Right? The favorable disposition of God implies peace from God. The second thing it implies is power from God. Power from God. Okay, I know we've already read this too, but Acts 4.33, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Power from God is dynamite, right? Supernatural strength is power from God, okay? It implies peace 
from God, it implies power from God. And then number three, it implies praise from God. That's one we don't think about often. When we think about grace, right, praise from God. How do we get that? Genesis 1.31, again, we, we read this already. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. Praise from God, that's God's approval, right? Equals God's approval, God's pleasure. And that feels good sometimes, right? See, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I know some of us in here, right, we're tough guys and, 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 and tough ladies, and, and, and we think, oh, no, I don't need approval. I don't need approval, right? That's not important to me. No, we, we all lean on approval in some way, shape, or form. Okay, we all, you know, I was, I was walking in the trunk or treat last night. I was showing, I don't even know who this was, but because uh, I've tried to block them out of my mind. But I, um, I was walking through, I was showing them everything. Because listen, my artistic ability is used up in trunk or treat every year. It just is. I'm not creative. All right. I can, I can think up ideas that you should do. Right. Um, but I, 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 I should not. Okay. And so this year, um, we decided, and by we, Kristen, Bria, and Micah decided that we should do three trunks, okay? Three trunks, three, plus their hearts. And then, Daddy, you can build three trunks, right, and, and do that. And so I was pretty proud of the Starbucks trunk, okay? I put that thing together, and I built a Starbucks. I should have brought it today as an illustration just to show it off a little bit more, okay? But I built it, stood up, had, a, had an arrow pointing through the drive-thru of Starbucks. It was pretty awesome. And so I was walking through before Trunk or Treat started yesterday. I was showing off our three trunks. I'm like, I built that sign from scratch. Isn't that awesome? And they were, I, I built it for the girls. And whoever was talking to me, if you're, if you're here this morning, Come forward, um, but but because uh, you need Jesus. No, um, but whoever it was, they were like, "Well, they, did they give you a sticker?" And you know what my response was? They should have. They should have. I think it was pretty good. Guess where it's going now? Dumpster. But anyway, I thought it was great, right? I thought it was great, right? Praise, right? We all need praise, and we'll pat them back every now and then for stuff. Anyway, um, but it, praise from God, right? God's approval. God's approval. God's pleasure. For it is by grace we are safe through faith, and this is not of ourselves, but a gift from God. Everything we need in order to bear fruit and grow as a believer is all found in God's grace. In God's grace. In God's grace. And so if we think about that for a moment, what we need to bear fruit and to grow in our spiritual life, we need peace with and from God. Favorable disposition of God. It implies this, right? That, but, 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 but if we're going to personalize it this morning, we need peace with and from God. Forgiveness in Christ, reconciliation with God, friendship with God. Grace is peace from God. We need power from God. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We need power from God. And then lastly, we need praise from God and others. We need praise from God and others. 
Listen to me. We need to look at each other and say, man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you're doing, man. You're doing awesome. You're doing awesome. That's okay, you know. That's okay. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. So grace gives us peace from God and the Father. Grace gives us power from God and the Holy Spirit. And grace gives us praise from God through the Son, Jesus. Isn't that cool? Favorable disposition of God. Peace from God the Father. Power from God and the Holy Spirit. And praise from God and the Son. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Favorable disposition of God. Where are we at? Where are we at? We found my notes. In fact, the stop, in fact, we stop bearing fruit and growing in Christ the day we live outside of grace. There's no peace from God or power from God or praise from God apart from grace. And I need grace. I can't bear fruit and grow without grace. And neither can you. And neither can you. So, Grace is the favorable disposition of God. You think you've got a grasp on the favorable disposition of God? Creation, Jesus, the church, right? Peace from God, um, power from God, and, and, uh, and praise, all right? Favorable disposition of God. Get it? All right, secondly, toward sinners. Now I know, this is the one y'all just couldn't wait to get to, okay? Toward sinners. It's important for us to remember that it's toward sinners. Why? Because that means we're included. See, I think one of the reasons we don't fully understand grace is that some of us haven't bought into our reality that this is us. That this is us. Hey! And that's not to beat anybody in the room up, but that's just to let you know that this thing we're talking about today and for the next four weeks includes you. you you're invited here. Okay? You're invited. I'm invited. I get in. You know how? Right here. Because the favorable disposition towards God, toward, whoop, the favorable disposition of God towards sinners, that's me. And it's you too. And it's you too. And it's you too. The two times I've burned out in ministry, it was because I forgot that. Anytime Kristen and I have had intense fellowship, aka Disagreement, <laughs> a.k.a. she wins. It's because I've forgotten that. Anytime I've ever had to go repent to my kids for the way I talked to them or treated them, it's because I forgot that. We live outside of grace when we forget that we are the biggest needers of grace. toward sinners. And so listen, again, this isn't a, this isn't a, this isn't a punching bag. 
with your face on it. This is a joy session to say, I'm invited into grace. I'm invited into grace, and you're invited into grace towards sinners. And so we look at that, and we, maybe first glance, that can't be right. Surely grace must be the favorable disposition of God towards saints, perfect and holy people. But if God was only favorable, listen to me, listen to me, because here's where this comes from. Here's where this comes from. This is hugely important. If God was only favorable, disposed to giving grace towards the perfect people, he would be perfectly right to do so, but it would not be grace. See, grace is only grace if it's given to someone who does not deserve it. Let me say that one more time. Grace is only grace if it's given to someone who does not deserve it. Your brother or sister that you've been holding bitterness towards for years and years and years, they may not deserve it, but guess what? They're a sinner too and they deserve grace. They deserve it because they don't deserve it. Does that make, does that make sense? No, it doesn't. That's the Bible for you. But anyway, no, I'm just, just, just kidding. Romans eleven six, and if by grace, then it is no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace, but if it's works, it's no longer grace. See, in two different places in the New Testament, in two different places in the New Testament, it says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. First Peter 5, 5 and James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You want to know the difference between a proud person and a humble person? A proud person is someone who thinks they deserve God's grace. A humble person is someone who thinks they don't deserve grace. Paraphrase. God resists giving grace to those who think they deserve it and instead gives it to those who think they don't deserve it. God resists the proud but assists the humble. Grace is always a gift from God to those who don't deserve it. Now here's the thing about a gift. Somebody made this comment to me after the 830 service because we didn't, we, we didn't mention this, but I think it's important to mention. They bring up a good point, right? We got to know how to open a gift, right? You got to know how to open a gift that's given. See, grace is always a gift from God those, to those who don't deserve it, but some people have the gift right in front of them and they're still sitting there staring at it saying, I don't know what to do with it. Or they're, they're sitting there trying to, trying to peel back the bow and trying to protect the paper and all of that and admiring the wrapping job instead of just digging into grace. See, don't do that. Just dive in. Okay? Just dive in. Grace is always given to the undeserving for a deserving cause. Grace is always given never earned toward sinners. The favorable disposition of God toward sinners. So listen to me this morning. This series, right, is for you. This grace is for you. Because we fit this category. We fit this category. So how do I receive this grace? How do I receive this grace? And again, we're going to be talking about how to live in grace for the next three weeks. But for today, and to finish our definition, we've got to look at the last part. The favorable disposition of God towards sinners on account of Jesus. On account 
of Jesus means that we access the grace of God through Jesus. That we access the grace of God through Jesus. John 1, 16 and 17. And his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Came through Jesus Christ. The gospel. Heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. What did they hear? The message of Jesus. The message of the gospel. Colossians chapter 1. The grace of God comes through Jesus. God's riches at Christ's expense. And what we have to realize in this, on account of Jesus, what does that imply? What does that mean for us? What we've got to remember is that grace is costly to God. Grace costs God something. It it costs God something. Grace is the most costly gift God can give to anyone. The cost was in His Son. The grace of God contains everything we need to bear fruit and grow in our faith. Peace from God, power from God, praise from God. Grace is costly to God. That's why it's amazing grace. 2 Timothy 2.1 You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16 Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My question for you this morning, who in here, as you sit and you think about that today, who in here would say, yeah, you know what? I'm in a time of need. I'm in a time of need. Right? Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a need for provision. Maybe it's a need for forgiveness. Maybe it's a need for relationship. Maybe it's a need for a job. Maybe it's a need for clarity and understanding and wisdom. Maybe it's a need for, you, you fill in the blank, right? Many needs could be represented in here, but I want you to hear what the writer of Hebrews said there in Hebrews 4, 16, right? That we might find grace that we would come boldly to the throne, that we would come boldly to the throne, that we may find grace to help in our time of need. Where does it come from? On account of Jesus. On account of Jesus. So here's the deal. The whole mission of the church could be summed up in this. Come and see. Go and tell. Come and see so that we can go and tell. Pop quiz. What are we doing right now? Coming and seeing. Right? We're coming and seeing. Good job. Pat yourself on the back. Somebody give praise. Give a fist bump, elbow dap, whatever to the person next to you. Okay, you passed. Okay, come and see so that we go and tell. Without grace, we sit here. Without grace, without an understanding of the disposition of God. And look, man, we could spend 2021, don't give me any ideas, April. We could spend 2021 walking through 
the disposition of God. We could spend months in Genesis and talk about creation. We could spend months talking about Jesus and going through the Gospels and looking at the life of Jesus and, 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 and whew, that'd be fun, talking through the three and a half years of his life. Maybe I'm coming up with the 2021 message series right now just for the whole year, right? And then, and then, and then wrapping it up, um, um, talking about the church. I mean, we could spend, we could spend months talking about the disposition of God and what that implies, the peace, the power, the praise, right? We could spend months talking about that. And listen, but we, we stop at come and see, not because of laziness, I believe, not because of complacency, not because, not because of any other thing than the lack of understanding of grace, because if it's the love of Christ that compels us, right? If it's the love of Christ, if it's that that moves us from here to there, that pulls us off the couch, that pulls us out of the, the pew, that pulls us out of the chair and into our workplaces and into our families to go and tell, then it's not laziness. It's just the fact that we don't understand grace. And it numbs us and it paralyzes us to sitting and just coming and seeing. But it's grace that moves us from coming and seeing to going and telling. And listen, listen, I'm not trying to convict anybody. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Okay, I'm not trying to move anybody to action this morning. I'm just saying and asking and concerned for the church of today. When I look, when I evaluate where we are, when I look that we don't have a grasp on grace. And some of us have been filling seats and filling churches for years and have never understood grace. That is the favorable disposition of God. The gift of that towards sinners. Reminder, you're there. I'm there on account of Jesus. On account of Jesus. The gospel is grace. And that's what moves us from here to there. Man, I pray. I pray that we grasp that. Because I believe it's missing right now. We don't need anything like we need grace. And you fill in the blank. You don't need 20 grand if you don't have grace. You don't need a new job if you can't grasp grace. A new president isn't going to fix your problems if you're not living by grace.
when we see this and we own this and we recognize this, that is all we need in how we grace each other. Even just this. If we remember, hey, John, you're a sinner too, man. You need Jesus just like I do. Dan, Karen, Matt, Chris, Bree, all of us, Dwayne, go all around. So my challenge for you today, Dylan's going to come, Bree's going to come, Tammy's going to come, we're going to sing one more song. My challenge for us today is that we press into that grace. And if you sit here today and you think about the disposition of God, right? That it implies peace. It implies power. It implies praise. If you're to evaluate your life right now, which could you use more of? Because it's there. Right? It's there. We looked at it this morning. It's there. And so maybe you're sitting today and you're like, man, I, I could use some peace. Grace is there. I could use some power. Grace is there. You know what? I could use some praise. Grace is there. And all three of those are found in Jesus before they're found anywhere else. Father, I pray that you break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, that we would dive into grace. That we would dive into grace head first. And that we would find a deeper walk with you in that dive. In Jesus' name.